0: this morning to consider the question of what does it mean to be like Jesus we teach our kids to be like Jesus we were taught to be like Jesus a lot of times we don't have a great answer to what that looks like a lot of times maybe it's we're supposed to behave in a particular way supposed to think a certain way sometimes maybe it's to dress a certain way But I want to look at this idea of what does it mean to be like Jesus, and I want to consider how the Apostle Paul answers that question out of the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me. You can stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God as we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, in hopes of answering this question of what does it mean to be like Jesus? This is what God's Word says, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, God highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You may be seated as we go to the Lord and ask his blessing upon this study this morning. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom as we reflect upon what it means to be like Jesus. I pray for um, every person that's here today. I pray that you would bless them. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Guard me from error. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' holy name we ask and pray, amen. In terms of a short answer to the question of what does it mean to be like Jesus, I believe that you could say that what the Apostle Paul calls us to is humility. He calls us to humility. He is focusing on how we ought to be others-oriented. Notice what he says in verse 3, "'Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking out for your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others.'" There's two ways I want to break this passage up this morning. The first is to note the call to humility in verses 1 through 3, and then you find an example of humility or the example of humility in verses 6 through 11. I want us to note that humility, in terms of the call that Paul gives us in verses 1 through 5, is not somehow being self-deprecating um, or thinking ill of oneself, but rather the way that Tim Keller would put it, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself, but it is thinking of myself less. I appreciate that distinction. I actually feel like Keller is probably taking that from something that he read by uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Mere Christianity, where he essentially says that the humble man doesn't even think about humility. The humble person doesn't even think about their humility, but instead they're thinking about how they might be able to serve others. And so as Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, he's saying that if you would be like Jesus, then even though you have these rights and privileges associated with your status, you have a willingness to lay them aside, to not draw upon them, to not use them to your advantage for the sake of serving others. Can you imagine what that would look like in the context of of your relationships at work, your relationships in your home, your relationships at church, if the first question you asked was not how do I serve myself, but how do I serve this person that God has put in front of me? That is this essence of humility where I'm not going what do I want, but primarily what do they need. That's the call to humility. I don't want to try to cloud that or make that more difficult than it actually is. It is an orientation to the needs of others, recognizing that there is going to be an emptying of myself, a laying aside of the things that I desire and that I want, or that may even be intrinsic to my very status and my nature, and saying, I want to serve them. Now, Paul pulls out the biggest of all big guns to make his point. There are all kinds of examples about humility that you could draw upon. And Paul says, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to give you the example of humility. I'm going to to show you the most perfect example of what I'm calling you to. And that's found in verses 6 through 11. When Paul looks at the story of Jesus' life and death, and he observes a pattern of humility and obedience that he and his fellow Christians should emulate. So let's just very briefly, and not in any way exhaustively, look at verses 6 through 11. Actually, we can look at verse 5 again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So it begs the question, what is the same mindset of Jesus? Who being in very nature God, can you imagine? Can can you imagine or fathom a more exalted position with every right, every privilege, every advantage available to you? Yet Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So, What's very important to note here, and there's so much written on this and so much more that could be said, is that this verse is not teaching that Jesus or that Christ Jesus decided to not be God for a season. That is not what it's saying at all. What this passage is saying is is that even though he was God fully, 100%, he did not draw upon or take advantage of the very nature that belonged to him, but instead he took upon himself a nature that he did not possess, which was the nature of humanity. He became man, he became a servant that he might be a servant to all. I mean, I think that at times we probably read the Gospels and we forget who we're dealing with. I, 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 I love the fact that we had all these kids up here with us this this morning i just i just love this I, I i love it it would it would probably be exhausting to all of our volunteers if we did it every sunday but there's something so important i see some i see some nods back there i'm not going to not going to point anything out but by by the way just to as an aside god bless you that are serving our kids and our students and the people in our congregation i just i I, I cannot even begin to stress how how the smile of God is upon you for the investment you're making in people that our world does not think are very valuable. And so just I, I just I I hope that you would be refreshed this morning because it is hard to work with little people (laughs) like it it is it is hard they have they have a resource of zeal and power to drain you like like no one else just when you think that they're fixing to give up they get a second wind anyways (laughs) this is not about my parenting experience this morning (laughs) I just want just be know that you are walking in the in the footsteps of Jesus when you do these things which gets me back to my point which was in Matthew 18 Jesus uses children as an object lesson and he says let the little children come unto me and he teaches the people something about the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is like these 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 small these weak these vulnerable children and so he he shows us something but do you realize who it is who's speaking that can you can you imagine being the child that that was bouncing on Jesus knee that that's that's God's knee. And, and probably didn't even perceive it in the moment. Or or, or or the little kid that received the bread or the fish that he broke and that he multiplied. This was this was God in the flesh, John 1. He tabernacled among them. And kids were probably just running in between his, his robe and at times and just Just enjoying his presence, not fully recognizing that this is the God that upholds all things by the power of his being in their presence. And yet, he so humbled himself that people could not perceive who he was in their presence. That's why they killed him. They they didn't perceive that he he was God. Their vision of what God in the flesh would look like looked way different than what Jesus showed them. But he came and he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. He came to serve, not to be served. And that's the example that Paul says, pattern your life after, Christian, Pattern your life off the example of the one who comes and says, I'm going to lay aside my rights and my advantages and all the things that belong to me because of who I am so that I might get involved in the life of people that need me. I think that there's this tendency, at least within my heart, to when I want to be like Jesus, I want to be like Jesus on the other side of resurrection, reigning in power and glory. Everyone wants a crown, but very few people want a cross. Very few people want to take on the form of a servant like Jesus did. Everyone wants to run to the glorification before the humiliation. That's not what Jesus did. He came and he humbled himself so that people like you and like me and like our children might know the love of God. Yes. Verses 9 through 11 tell us what happens after Jesus humbles himself. Therefore now God has highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue under heaven and earth and under the earth would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And that is absolutely our destiny in terms of glory. We're not going to receive a name like that. We're going to bow our knees. But there is going to come a time when we will be glorified with him as 1 John chapter 2 and 3 says that we will be made like him as he is when he appears. But the reality of it is, is we're not there yet, brothers and sisters. And until we're there, what we've been called to is humble service of one another. You know, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul actually Emulated this in his own life or imitated it in his own life. Turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. I want you to consider everything that Paul was able to grab hold of as a right that belonged to him, but what he laid aside that he might follow Jesus. Consider Paul's humility. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone thinks... They have reason to put confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, who... For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them refuse, garbage, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The Apostle Paul had all kinds of rights and privileges that he laid aside for the sake of being obedient to Jesus, that he might know him in his sufferings and know him one day in the power of his resurrection. There was hope that one day the rest would come, that one day the glorification would take place, that one day I will see him as he is, but until that day I will serve him in the example that he has given me. Here is the singular lesson that I would want us to see this morning. Brothers and sisters, we are never more like Jesus than when we humble ourselves to serve one another. We are never more like Jesus. We are never more like him than when we look at the things that we have a right to and say, I'm laying that aside for the sake of someone else. in serving them. And so the question I leave us with this morning is, is, how can we humble ourselves this week to serve others? Parents, how can we humble ourselves to serve our children this week? Spouses, how can we humble ourselves to serve our spouse this week? Neighbors, how can you humble yourself to serve your neighbors or maybe your enemies oh mercy right isn't that a tough one bless those that persecute you bless don't curse pray for those that speak ill of you one of my favorite quotes that I I wish was mine it's not but I'll quote it anyways it's a scholar by the name of D.A. Carson he said we would be far better if the only putting down that we did was putting people down on our prayer list I think that's what it means for us to humble ourselves. Instead of, instead of allowing the roots of bitterness to creep up and spring out and begin to unsettle the foundations of our life, it's cutting that bitterness off, knowing that we can serve. And we go, well, what, what if I continue to, to lean into this service, this, this humiliation, this humility that I'm dealing with? What, what am I to do? How am I, how am I to, to navigate this? It's knowing that one day there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and in that day when he returns and we see him we will be made like him as he is and we will partake in his glory to enjoy it forever and we will hear him say well done my good and faithful servant enter into the rest that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world but until then we humble ourselves we serve others having the mind of Christ that in us and in our life, we would put to death the selfish ambition and the vain conceit and we would value others above ourselves, not looking for our own interest, but the interest of others. Is this not what Christ did for us? Is this not why many of you this morning possess eternal life? That you put your hope and your trust in Christ Jesus who humbled himself in this way? You recognize that maybe you're here this morning and you have not known the hope of Christ and you have not known eternal life. You realize that Christ humbled himself and came into this world taking on human nature so that he might be able to serve you to the point of death, even death on a cross in obedience to the Father that you might have and possess eternal life. You can have that eternal life today by bowing your knee, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, embracing Him as your Savior and your Lord, calling upon His name, which is what I would invite you to do even now. Go ahead and bow our As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equipped for Good.